Welcome to this episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Hayne, and with me, as always, is Laura Zatz. Say hello, Laura. Hello, everyone. So today is, what even is it? It's July 22nd. Correct. Um, We have, I think it'll be a fun episode today. I'm actually, Laura, believe it or not, I'm not actually that mad today. (laughs) We have, like, things that are going to sound like the sort of thing that are going to make us fairly angry, like we're going to be covering... A topic from that classic book retailer slash Pentagon contractor you know and love. Um, but I'm actually, I'm feeling at peace today. I had a very nice weekend. I'm feeling just a lot of calm. You know, you ever when things like hit a certain tipping point in the industry, it's like, you know what? I'm just calm about it. You started meditating? I just decided to be calm. <laughs> and so today we're going to very calmly um, discuss captions, uh, the new feature that Audible will be rolling out, um, which... I mean, who even knows what to say about in the short phrasing? I guess we'll just get into it in a minute. But before we do that, uh, how about the basic rundown? Yeah. So we're in July, which means that we have three special July episodes for you on Patreon. So we have um, the query and the first pages show recorded. We will also be recording this week our special flex episode, which is on publisher author contracts woo so kind of just going through basic clauses and knowing what to look for talking about industry standards that sort of thing it's sort of on the heels of the one we did last month which was about um, author agent agreements correct correct so this is i mean ideally like as as an author you will sign two big legal documents with regards to your work the first is, of course, your agreement with your agent. The second, of course, is the agreement that you sign multiple times over many books with your publisher right. or publishers. Um, so we're just going to be going over what that looks like, what to expect, what the process is, all that jazz. So stay tuned. It should be a lot of fun. You can send us your suggestions for flex episodes or first pages or your queries for us to critique at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you don't know what we're talking about, head on over to patreon.com and look for print run podcast and you're going to find a whole bunch of special episodes that are available for a nominal monthly fee and we have literal days of content at this point Mm -hmm. Um, and summer's a really really good time to get all of your your writing in check Um, so our content there is specifically aimed at writers whether they're querying or they're Mm -hmm. agented um but I think it's a lot of fun. We have fun over there hooting and hollering. Um, we sure do. You get some really special outtakes over on Patreon, so that's fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so now I think that's the end of our announcements. So let's talk about our favorite thing, Amazon. All right. So this is going to be, this is one of those shows that like, you know, we've done an Amazon. I feel like more and more we're doing more. Amazon. Well, they keep apps, pulling new they shit. Because they keep doing new stuff. And, like, I think that this is going to feel a little bit different. I hope that it will feel a little bit different so as to not be redundant. I don't think that it will. Um, but we're talking today specifically, or using it as an entry point, their new feature that they announced. And by they, I mean Audible, uh, which is the audiobook wing of Amazon, right? It's mm-hmm. this 
Um, Audible is pretty much the audiobook publisher, right? Like they are. I think publisher is. I mean, they do publish and yeah. they do have special like Audible originals. Yeah. Um, but more than anything, they're the biggest place where people go to get audiobooks. It's yeah, like, like an, it's like a Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's what, that's what I mean. I misspoke. Um, so. They announced this feature today, Laura. Now, just to remind the class, um, an audiobook is what format? It's audio, right? Can we audible? Can yes, we it is. That? Is is you consume <laughs> it with your ears. Well, you're gonna have a really interesting time um, hearing about this new feature then, uh, which is called captions, which basically means that as you're listening to your audiobook, um, Audible.com will be offering you. And also a feature that allows text to appear on the screen as you're computer, reading. Ge- Computer-generated text so you can follow along, like reading captions to your audiobook. Um, now, some people might call captions to an audiobook the text of a book. That might be, <laughs> <laughs> that might be yeah. one way uh, Honestly, to it. Honestly, it simply yeah. won't do. How am I supposed to merge dragons while listening to my audiobook if I'm having to read the captions? That is true. Um, so basically, you can see where we're going here. It's like... Captions is basically an attempt by Amazon to introduce a visual, like, print format text element to what they are calling an audiobook. Yeah. Now, that is something that has some, basically everyone uh, very angry, um, at least everyone on the publisher side of things. Right. Just one thing that Amazon has tried to do in this argument to really some success, if, especially if you're going by, like, the USA Today article that first broke this story, which I found to be just enraging in the way it covered this. It basically said, like, here, I'll, re- I'll read you a line. It opens with this. Love listening to audiobooks? Would you want to read the book at the same time? Like, it's very – we've practically got a like a copied and pasted press release <laughs> functioning as tech journalism here. Excellent. And – it basically breaks the story about how the Amazon has this new feature that's going to, you know, engage your ears and your eyes and your minds. And it's going to, you know, people just don't read books anymore. But now this is going to be the way that Amazon is going to save reading. And what that very flagrantly ignores and what most of this discussion today is going to kind of jump off from is the idea of rights. So the rights stuff um, and the format stuff yes. is where things get I would say like dicey is a pretty severe understatement. And so like as as we kind of get into the ramifications and the statements back and forth and what we kind of see as a long-term projection for where all this might go, um, can we just get like a basic rundown here of like what's happening? Like why is this – how about this question? Why is this a controversy? Why, why is it not okay? Why would people be mad that Amazon is introducing a feature like this? Well, Eric – it's illegal. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh-huh. And that's a very simplified way to put it. Okay, so let me let me explain something. Um, even it's if not that simplified. you are that's true. <laughs> even if you are as a publisher, you or or like okay, I'm an agent, right? I sell just the print rights, the print and ebook rights right. to a publisher. I still retain the audio rights. I have the option to go to Audible and sell the audiobook rights so that Audible produces it and keeps it only within the Audible um, library. So when you're selling audio audio rights, what are you selling? I am selling just the sound waves that go into your ears. Right. Yeah. And the rights to exploit just that. Because I've already sold the print rights. Right. Which is key. Like that is, is... it, it's it's so simple, but needs to be stated again and again and again. 
when you license the audio, you don't get the print unless you've also licensed the print. So this is complicated by also factoring in that Audible oftentimes is not the producer of the audiobooks. Oftentimes Audible is just the marketplace. It's the Netflix of of audiobooks, right? Mm-hmm. And so what <laughs> the second way that this is illegal is that as a marketplace, Audible is exploiting the print rights without having any of the rights right. to exploit. They're produ- I mean, in essence, they're producing a format of the book they do not have the right to produce. They haven't paid you know? for it. They're not paying for it. Like, yeah. it's there's there's no way that that money goes back to the author or the publisher in any meaningful way because, like, if you if you license the print rights, like those, like this is this is how agents that make money, right? Like it comes with yeah, it comes with royalty splits. It comes with it comes with different standards, and a lot of the times, you know, you can bundle print and audiobooks, but basically, every Amazon is infringing on everybody's rights, and they're sort of doing it in a way that. It's very sneaky, and we're going to mm-hmm. – I mean, it's not that sneaky because, like, everyone is immediately furious about it. But it's kind of <laughs> sneaky even taking that into account in a way we're going to get into in a minute. But, like, I think first, you know, the next place we should go, like – so this news came out. Yes. And obviously agents got mad. But in terms of institutions that actually hold rights in this situation that are getting infringed upon, like, you and I as agents, the rights aren't ours. We're no. representing them on behalf of someone else. And so – um, there's two parties here that would justifiably be very upset. Those are publishers and those are authors, right? So real quick, why don't we? I'm just going to read the statement from Penguin Random House first, and then from the Authors Guild, right? Like the mm-hmm. two, the two parties. So here we go. This is Penguin Random House um, in response. We've reached out to Audible to express our strong copyright concerns with their recently announced captions program, which is not authorized by our business terms. We have indicated that we expect them to exclude all Penguin Random House titles from the program. Great. Very straightforward. This article here today in Publishers Marketplace also says um, that various other publishers were willing to basically echo that same sentiment. Yeah. Right now, it's Penguin Random House and Simon & Schuster who have requested to not have their titles included. Um, Macmillan says that they're looking into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then uh, the Authors Guild gave a very short statement as well on their page, which was nice to see as you know, they're a pretty good advocate for author stuff and here's what their reads the authors guild is alarmed by audible's recent announcement that it intends to display text synced with audiobook narration while audible states that its new audible captions feature will only display small amounts of machine generated text existing acx and audible agreements do not grant audible the right to create text versions of audiobooks whether delivered as a full book or in segments nor is there an exception to the copyright law that would permit audible to do this we will continue to investigate this, but based on what we have learned to date, the captions program appears to be outright willful, and I, the willful bit is the part I want to come mm. back to. Outright willful copyright infringement, and it will inevitably lead to fewer ebook sales and lower royalties for authors for both their traditionally published and self-published books. Yeah, um, it's worth mentioning yeah. that um, there are a lot of people who do buy. Or, you know, we'll buy the ebook of something and then subscribe and get the, you know, through Audible, get the audio book and then people switch back and forth. Right. So this is kind of the idea that you're getting two in one without paying any extra. Yeah. Which is great. 
Yeah, no. That is sarcasm. <laughs> well, it's just like they're I mean, we've kind of already covered it in the basic mechanical way. It's like they are you know, they're producing content based on, you know, a copyright that they just do not have the right to do that. And they're once again, and the thing that I think is sneaky here is they're they're like redefining one what an audiobook is, but two you know, it's going to get into well, what's a print book? What's an ebook? Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's sort of all this slippery kind of stuff, and it makes me think. Like you hear that that statement from the Authors Guild, right? And you hear that statement from Penguin Random House, and you know, I spend and we on this show spend a lot of time kind of maligning publishers for how they've sort of, <laughs> you know, have handled Amazon in the past, for how they sort of are constantly getting screwed over and stuff. Sometimes by their own bad decisions and all that sort of thing. But I was actually these were the statements I was hoping for, right? Yeah. Like pretty clear, pretty basic, absolutely not statements. You know, like that's great. But there was this line here in this article uh, from The Verge on it that really kind of caught my eye, especially I was trying to think through like why, like Audible knows this, right? They're not, they didn't like randomly come up with this program and they're not shocked people are mad is what I'm saying, right? right. Like they knew this was this fight was going to come. And there's this line here that um, in this paragraph from this article from The Verge, when asked about the feature, when asked about how the feature squares up against the existing audio rights that are granted to it, an Audible spokesperson told The Verge that it does not agree with the interpretation, but declined to comment further on whether or not the company actually had the rights to go through with it. Um, So that's the bit that terrifies me Mm -hmm. in a very subtle kind of way. And that's the bit that, I think is going to kind of inform where we think this needs to go from here because basically what that statement says and what you can sort of sense throughout is like they know that, like I said, the backlash is not a surprise to them, right? Right. Like it's, you know, they knew this fight was coming and people at Amazon who work there are smart publishing people. Like they understand what's happening here. It's worth noting that all of this was announced to the public at the same time that it was announced to the publishers. Yeah, their that, business that actually is a really, that's a very good point as and well. And so yeah. what it did is it blindsided yeah. everybody in publishing. Yeah. And what that speaks to is that this is not a good faith develop, like technology development. Not at all. Right? Especially given when you see this line here that... Amazon isn't even willing to say publicly that they believe they are allowed to do this. Like, <laughs> just like, think about what that means for a second. Like, th- if you do something controversial, if you were shocked by it or you were behaving in good faith, you would say, oh, we thought we could. You know, we believed it was our legal right to do that, you know. But they're that's not, not even what they're, doing They that. know this is illegal. They know it is. And I think that it's one of those things like, so it's, I think where we need to go next is like, why? Why would they do something like this? And I think the next place to go is what they said yeah. in response. So I want to read in full the yeah. statement that they that's been quoted all over the places in pieces, but it was it was provided to Publishers Marketplace in full. And they and they demand that it be read in full. So we yeah. will so as an we, as a pro Amazon podcast, we will be reading <laughs> we will of course be reading right. the statement in full. Are you ready yeah, for this? Please. Okay. Captions is a user-directed technology that only works with audio. It does not replicate or replace the print or ebook reading experience. Small amounts of machine-generated text are displayed progressively a few lines at a time while audio is playing, and listeners cannot read at their own pace or flip through pages as in a print book or ebook. 
Audible Captions was designed primarily to fill an unmet need in education. It is about understanding words, their sound and meaning, and has been validated by the endorsement of an advisory board that includes nine of the best educators in the country. It will be used in beta format by 150,000 public school children across the country as an Audible-funded test. After launch, it will be apparent that no user would ever use this as a substitute for reading a book. Given that the feature isn't live yet, we are in discussions with content providers to help address some confusion about how Audible Caption works and what listeners will experience. Okay, so first um, thing, there's a lot in there there, that is very. (laughs) But first thing, um, how Audible Captions works and what listeners will experience have nothing to do with the legality of printing words for Um, to an audiobook. That's the thing, right? Is like, and that's sort of the one of the underpinning like tech arguments here is that, and this has been a way historically that Amazon has sort of guided or cloaked a lot of their. Um, decision making a lot of the ways they are willing to you know make books really cheap for instance you know do all these things there's this idea that as long as it's something that users want right they can do whatever they want mm-hmm. like as long as oh well this is you know this was it's meeting a need it's, it's you know, educational eric that's the other bit of this right it's like they're cloaking this in this like language of oh well you know all these teachers and educators decided that that was that this is something that we needed and so we provided it for them and that's all fine and good and it might 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 even be true um but and this is the sneakiest bit of the whole amazon project to me and really i think indicative of so much of what publishing has done to anyone who works in it um for the last 20 years however Mm -hmm. long you even want to say it's like they're pointing to the same jab that you get from like you can connect this to the logic for why no one in entry-level publishing ever makes any money and it's that if this is meaningful you shouldn't have to pay for it or you shouldn't be fairly compensated for it Right. Like this is educational. Why would you you know, why do we need to pay you for something that society needs? Why would we need to like if you love books so much, why do you need to be paid fairly for it? Like it's that it's using that same weaponized fact that so many people and so much of publishing is like a necessary societal good that like engaging people would want to be a part of. And, and it's, it, yeah, and it's it uses also that to devalue it, you know. Yeah, and it's also very much hiding in the technology. Like yeah. through through this statement, um, Amazon is very clearly defining a book as something that can be read through at your own pace and has pages. Well, <laughs> um, yeah. as somebody who primarily listens to audiobooks, yeah. buckle up, folks. Yeah. Um, number one on the Audible platform and any audiobook platform, you can increase or decrease the speed at which the audio yeah. plays. Yeah. Um, you, there also are no pages in yeah. an audiobook. Yeah. Um. So, but yet it is still a a format. It is still a format, and so I, like, and so somebody would be able to theoretically, you know, plug in some headphones or whatever, and just not have them in their ears, and slow it way down or speed it way up, and just have it flip through at the leisure. And yeah. again. That also is not taking into account again the people I mentioned earlier who switch back and forth between audio and ebook yep. or have the print book and listen to the audio, which right. is something that I do. Right. Um, and it's just kind of like, but but the kids and but the technology. Yep. Um, what that says to me is that Amazon. Okay. The Verge article that Eric mentioned, um, written by Andrew Liptak, friend of the podcast, um, 
mentioned that it, we are a decade out from when Amazon's Kindle had a like had an automatic read. Mm-hmm. Like from their from the ebooks that you would get on the Kindle, it had like a text to speech app, and <laughs> yeah. publishers went nuts. This is so yeah this because is 10 it was an audio ago. version of a book they didn't pay Correct. for. Correct. Yeah. it was an audio ber- version of a book that they paid for, and so what they did is they ended up disabling yeah. it um, at the request of certain publishers. Mm-hmm. Ten years out, we're doing it, but in the diff- in a in different direction. Way. And so the question then, well, first of all, before we get into like. Where I want to get with this next is, like, what does the fact that they're doing something so transparently, like, what does it mean and why are they doing it? But before we get there, I think it's just worth pointing out, like, that statement we just read, none of it has anything to do with rights at all. No. Like, no one is mad that you're trying to bring technology to children. You know what I mean? Like... If you paid for it, we'd be super (laughs) happy you were bringing technology to children. The problem here is not that we think your tech is bad. In fact, usually with Amazon or any of these platforms, it's usually the opposite, right? Like, we think, like, people will want this. I mean, I was even going back and forth a little bit on Twitter when it first um, came out. People were like, well, I would love this feature. And it's like, well, I'm sure that you would. And I probably would, too. Like, it seemed... Like, I don't hate the idea. Like, but that's conflating the problem here with the idea that they didn't pay... To produce the, te- you know, the and that the the statement that they release has nothing to do with whether or not they believe it's legal. And in fact, based on their unwillingness to even go on the record and just say <laughs> that, yeah, we think we're doing this, you know, entirely above board. Um, I don't know if they think it's legal. I think that they know what they're doing. And so my question to you, Laura, is like, especially given that they've tried a similar experiment ten years ago and were similarly rebuked. You know, I have thoughts on why they're doing things like this, but what do you think? Like, why? Why is this happening? Why now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, why now? Because stuff like this, like Amazon, is such a large market share um, that doing something like this will not only make them more money in turn. So their physical books are still loss leaders, right? Selling yeah. physical books on Amazon.com yeah. does not make Amazon money, but what does make Amazon money is building the monopoly. Yep. And so. Um, something like this gets them a step further and it conflates again that idea of publisher and producer and vendor mm-hmm. in a way that makes it really, really, really hard for publishers and bookstores and writers to to stand up against. So it's just like another step in the slippery slope that we've been letting happen for the last 20 years yeah. slide towards, you know, Amazon only. Well, that Amazon-only thing, I think a big part of the project here, when I look at it, is the, like, I think it really matters that they're trying to introduce some blurriness into what a format means. Yes. You know, like, if they can suddenly um, argue that a text version of a book is actually part of what they've bought as an audio rights, you can see how that can, that same logic could extrapolate into all kinds of other things until that they don't have to really honor copyrights at all, right? Like, mm-hmm. and you can see, like, this is the sort of fight that absolutely needs to be stood up to right away because it's, it, like, holds the potential, or even if they're granted a little bit of ground, like, let's say that they're able to publish any set of these, you know, this caption feature on books and a publisher agrees to it. Like, even if a publisher is fine with it, they do. I think that they do need to step up and you know say no because 
the ramifications here are that Amazon gets to start making up formats based on their technology, and they can then use that as precedent as a means for well, we've been doing this. We, you know, this is how these things legally play out. This is how it works. This is what we've always done. This is the precedent. And to me, that's really dangerous. And like, you know, the other bit of it is, like, it's just like this giant project of Amazon's I've found. Like, I remember, like, six years ago, I guess now it was longer than that. It was, like, seven years ago at this point. I was at this, like, publishing conference in Denver. Mm-hmm. And a guy was up there speaking. It was right around, like, when um, ebooks were starting to get big. And he was a, I want to say he was a production editor on a very big, um, it was, like, a big coffee table book with a lot of pictures and sure. stuff. And he was talking about, you know, he was someone who was doing, like, layouts and photo management and you know, making this book, you know, typesetting, like on a very complex book, which, you know, if you know anything about production editors, that's, it's very difficult. It's very work intensive. It's very, like making one of those big, beautiful books like that is, is a is lot hard. of work. It's hard. And it's, um, it's something that primarily, like when you go and buy a book like that, it costs a lot of money, right? Like coffee table books aren't cheap in that kind of way. And that book got priced at, you know, the 10 bucks. That every other audio, or every other ebook, you know, got priced at on Amazon. You know what I mean? And he was just up there talking to us, and he was like, "That book is worth more than ten dollars." You know, mm. like, and we made a book that cost more than ten dollars. You know, and they sold one, but then this one format, you can go and get, you know, a electronic reproduction of it for for cheap, and it doesn't matter. And his point that he made then, and you can sort of see it happen now, is that it just feels as though Amazon. It's just on this tear to just devalue the book as a concept. And I, I mean that very seriously. Like, I know that sounds like a big overreaching thing, but, like, I think that it's true. Like, you see um, something like this, right? Like, if you tell me that audio rights also include this whole other format without any additional cost, what you're saying is that the rights should be cheaper. You know what I mean? Like, you are devaluing the the thing that you've bought, Um you're saying it's not worth as much as it should be. And, you know, the same thing with some of their pricing. It's the same thing as, you know, these subscription projects that let you get as many books as you want, you know, for the same. It's it's just this move to me that feels as though, like, the underlying current through all of it is, like, conditioning readers to believe. And it's that consumer focus again, right? Like, mm-hmm. convenience and user end-user experience at all costs. Just convincing people, and and people are there now. By the way, like everybody thinks books are too expensive. Everybody thinks um, you know they shouldn't have to pay anything to buy yeah. a book, no matter what. Um, and Amazon is doing that because what it means is again working towards that monopoly. Even if Amazon loses money on these books, it doesn't care if it makes half a penny on every yeah. book that they sell, which is a stretch. But like even if they did they would still make hand over fist more money than anybody else. And so as the place where books are sold, um, they're, it, what it's doing is they're, they're able with their shopping agreements, with their, with their, with their, um, either their subrights or just as a vendor, yeah. they're able to really back everybody into a corner because there's no option for publishers, at least in the way that publishing works right now, for anybody to walk away from Amazon. Yeah. No, there's not. I mean, it's... And that's because of that devaluation, right? It's right. kind of this... It's it's this self-fulfilling prophecy is that Amazon 
convinces people that books should cost less. And so yeah. then publishers are forced to, you know, to make money off of their books. They're forced to sell books at a lower profit yep. on Amazon. And then they can't move away from Amazon because then they're not going to sell any. Yeah. And it just keeps going and going and going. And then Amazon gets all like frisky and does something like this. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just it really needs to be underscored that the cheaper they are able to sell a book and the more units they're able to kind of pull like market share. Right. Like that's like the classic mm-hmm. Amazon thing that, you know, anyone who ever talks about them says like their primary goal is market share. And I think that that's true. And it's like the way they do that, especially given that they don't actually have to be profitable here. It's like it is in their best interest for a book to be worth nothing. Yes. Like that, I think, is just a point that needs to be drilled into absolutely everybody's heads. It's like it would be better for Amazon if books were 99 cents. And now think about what that means, right? Especially as it relates to all the other stuff we talk about on this show and publishing faces at large. Like authors aren't getting paid enough right now. People in the industry aren't getting paid enough right now. People mm-hmm. are working overtime. They're living in a city that is, you know, too expensive primarily because of, you know, tech companies like Amazon. You know, not that Amazon is in New York in that way, but it's the same dynamic from other kind of places, right? Like it's like it's just a fundamental devaluing of anyone's labor, you know? Like people aren't like it's just an industry that more and more and now it's kind of locked into this death cycle where it's like no one like because the end product continues to be disvalued at the end those that cost cutting is being it's a shockwave it's being foisted upon the people actually doing the work Mm -hmm. you know and it's going to make for worse conditions it's going to make for worse you know times trying to be an author it's going to make for eventually you know we've kind of traced this trickle down effect a bunch of times but like it's going to make for more conservative you know publishing strategy like people can't take risks you know, when there is no margin for error. The mid-list goes away. The mid-list has totally gone away. And that's actually, we're going to get into a different thing that they did, (laughs) that Amazon did recently here in a minute. But like They're related. Yeah, I just think like it's so badly, so, so badly. Publishing needs to really take a look at this stuff and think about how they are attached to this giant colossus that has made a very publicly, I mean, all but, unless you are literally entirely gullible and reading them word for word that you don't, that they don't think they're doing anything wrong here, it feels very evident to me that they are very interested in claiming as many rights for free as possible, in folding in as much of what could theoretically otherwise be paid for as something that they have and are free and can simply freely take without ramification. Like, this is who we have attached ourselves to. And there's not really, I mean, we're going to get into it in a little bit on, like, ways to kind of extricate yourself, <laughs> you know. But, like, it's it's frightening to me. And, I mean, it's not that I, you know, I don't want to be alarmist on here. And we're not, I don't think. But, like, this is it, guys. Like, we have to start coming up with things that aren't this. Because there's no negotiating with that. What we like with a company that is willing to like treat your treat your copyrights that way to devalue to make a again like a decades long project out of convincing the public that what you make is worth nothing. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just crazy to me. Like it's a fundamental. Like if you want to talk about like 
being book people and loving books, there is nothing what is less like respectful of books and the industry than what we just described than saying <laughs> that it's actually better for us if books don't cost anything and aren't actually you know produced in a way that values anyone's time or labor you know like it i don't know it's crazy to me that we haven't had a more like we i mean and a lot of young people have but like the people with actual power in this industry who is not us um just simply aren't acknowledging this in any kind of real way you know so let's circle back eric to talking about one other thing that we can very much connect to the amazon rights grab sure um that is the the really extra extra downside to traditional publishers adopting mm-hmm. conservative models in the face of dealing with Amazon. And so what we mean by that real quick, like a conservative model, it would be like giving all the money you have available for advances to only to books. absolute name brand locks for sales, right? Like the big, like James, like a James Patterson or like a political... A Dean Koontz, yeah. Eric. <laughs> so we're, we're... A Dean Koontz, yes. Dean Koontz, um, um, just an out big-time thriller writer, the one, you know, the one who has, like, commercials yeah. on the television. Yeah. Um, it was just announced that his next five books are Amazon exclusives, including one, like... Five books. Yeah, five books. Five books. And so yeah. Dean Koontz is, like, pays probably like hundreds of people's salaries. Dean Koontz makes a lot of money. He makes a ton of money He's and very... he makes publishers a lot of money. And so the so one thing that's really terrifying is so Amazon has lots and lots of money. Um and the more risk averse publishers get and the more squeezed they are by these rights grabs and and by by the shrinking of the the competitors um what happens there is that they put all of their money into the really big name people. But the problem with individuals is that if one individual decides to jump ship, all is lost. Yep. And so Dean Koontz jumping ship. I mean, like, honestly, no, like, go where the money is, writers. Go where the money is. Yeah, but, but yet, like, Dean Koontz moving from a traditional house to Amazon as his publisher is going to have catastrophic ripple effects. <laughs> it really is because like <laughs> it just plays into again like if the point if it, Amazon's entire goal here is as we've kind of talked about is like to devalue the idea of a, like they want to pay as little as possible to a publisher for books as, as yes. you know little as they can. Part of that and we've seen this in the way that they have set up or you know they now manage, you know the Goodreads or the way they manage, you know, Kindle stuff, like the way they manage, you know, their store, like everything is or the way they have the, their new charts stuff. Remember how we had that episode mm. about like, you know, what was going on at the Washington Post, right? Yep. Like they're able to kind of They also have the lock on homebrew audiobook creation and <laughs> yeah. like self-publishing. Exactly. Like the idea here is to get all of it. You know, and like, and so they just want it. The one thing that Amazon hasn't had historically are the big name brand authors who can get a bunch of money from traditional publishers, right? Like, that was like the one thing that publisher, like, if you were a big giant, you know, um, author with the kind of name brand value that Dean Koontz has, it used to make more sense to go with, you know, a publisher that really knew what they were doing, who were going to treat you well, they were real book people, they were going to do all, like, that was the model. But what we're seeing here is that, um, 
that might not be the case anymore, especially right. if it's like, like I don't know what the numbers are, but like a five book deal with Gene Koontz, I'm betting that's millions, a, a, millions and millions spe- of dollars. I'm betting that that's a lot of money. And like, you look at um, what he said here. Um, so this is the quote I'm reading from a Los Angeles Times article that published today. Um, he says, um, although there were numerous options for the future, of course there were. This is Dean Koontz. You know, um, <laughs> it was most natural to sign with the team at Amazon Publishing, which presented a marketing and publicity plan smarter and more ambitious than anything I'd ever seen before, Koontz said. Which, again, I believe him. Yes, <laughs> like, I do too. I think that they, like, I'm sure that they have now decided to make a project out of these, these like, targeted snipes. You know what I mean? Like, how many, like, who are they willing to just throw absolute... How, more money than any publisher would give, you know, like it's this feels like the sort of thing where now Amazon can kind of play with their weight a little bit mm-hmm. and use it to sort of pick away the last like piece of clout that publishers actually have, which is like the big authors. Um, and so you know, here he says, you know, I've been creatively rejuvenated. The times are changing and it's invigorating to see to be where change is understood and embraced. And you can see that, you know, there's a whole lot loaded into that bit about the times are changing. Right. Like he's basically saying this is where things are headed, and I've decided to simply be a part of it instead of any act as any sort of means of resistance. And like, I'm just I'm zeroing in on um, this is from um, the publisher at this Amazon imprint. Um, you know, she says, uh, building on the success of Dean's Amazon charts best-selling short story is how she phrases it, and. What I think is really interesting in that phrasing is you can see, too, that there is just such a coordinated project here on undoing every publishing. Like, you know, Dean Koontz is a New York Times bestseller many times over. You know what I mean? Like, but it was the Amazon right, 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 shorts. Exa- like, but, so they can start to kind of erode the cultural cachet of some of these other things, too. Is And, like, it's just to me, like, again, like, if if we see that rights grab, you know, with the captions thing, is like, actually, we think we can do... Um, we can do more than we were previously told we were allowed to. And more importantly, we don't believe anyone is going to meaningfully stop us. Or if they do stop us, there won't be any real ramification for it. Um, It just feels like it's all kind of part of the same project. So let's transition then to, okay, so this is the train we're on. It's a bad train. How do we we stop the train? Um, (sighs) We've spoken a lot on the show before about what it would mean for writers or agents to have unions so that they're able to, you know, throw their weight around a lot more with the big five who very often aren't um, brave, I guess you could say. (laughs) You just touched on it in terms of like that sort of like solidarity stuff. Like if one person goes, why not the next person? Right. You know, and it'll crumble. And... I don't know. It's like you and I were kind of mapping this out earlier, you know, and obviously it's a, it's an impossible thing. Like what we're going to describe now is, you know, it's speculative. It's, you know, we're sitting here kind of with our heads in our hands trying to figure out what to do. But like it's um, we sort of did this like chart of like who's closest to the actual situation. Right. Mm-hmm. And like it's publishers, 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 right. They're the ones dealing directly with Amazon. And so like. You would start there. It's like, what if, and they'll never do this because of the reason we're about to discuss, but like, what if, you know, everyone in the big five said, you know what, we're not using 
we're not using Amazon anymore. We will not. We're not selling our copy. You know, we're not selling in yeah. through Amazon. When it when it become and, when it comes time for, you know, the them to renew their contracts yeah, with Amazon, we're simply not going to do what it. What if they didn't? Or even and, like if you take a if you take a lighter handed view from mm-hmm. we're not selling on Amazon anymore. Yeah. Um, if you did the thing we've we've touched on that like Tor Books is doing. Yeah. So Tor Books, which is a science fiction fantasy imprint out of Macmillan, um, they are kind of a doing a test case for the entire yeah. company yeah. where they are selling they're not selling their ebooks mm-hmm. to libraries for you know like six months or something after the book actually comes out with the idea is that that delay will lead to more ebooks sold overall yep. and from everything that i hear it's proving to be true yeah so like what if you know like what if publishers said you know what amazon you can sell this book but i mean you can sell the print book starting now sure why not whatever but like the ebook and the audio you gotta wait. like you gotta wait or, you know, like did, and this is again, like we're getting deeper and deeper into buy-in here, but like what is happening with streaming services right now? Right. Um, where, you know, before it was just Netflix and then it was Netflix and Hulu and then it was Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and HBO and, yeah. and FX and all of these other things. But like what if publishers did the same thing? Because right now we're Netflix only. Amazon is our Netflix. Yep, yep. And so what if we created a Hulu? Mm-hmm. You know, what if we created, you know, any of these other, so these other stream, cre- streaming wanna, services? Yeah, that's a great point. And I want to come back to creating that alternative thing in a second. Yes. Where I want to go right now, lest our listeners think we are hopelessly naive at what we have just said, which is that we, well, yeah, well, they should just simply not work with Amazon anymore. Like, <laughs> why don't we get into for a second, like, all the reasons why that won't happen? Oh, yeah. You know, because and like the first obviously is that shareholders. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, it's just like the big thing for me is that they sell too many books on it. Like if you look at the pie chart. Yeah, that's this is where people sell books at this point. And like to me, this speaks to kind of a real like this is one of the big long term failures of publishing, I think. And one that like where I'm going to argue in a minute here is that. We are at the point where there isn't a short-term fix to these things, and that what ends what ends up need, what we're going to need to happen is like a willingness to enact a short-term loss for a deep a, short-term loss for the ability to like just reimagine what it means to be a book publisher a little bit. But like one of those big failures that I think has led to this point is just like the fact that we've become too reliant on a hostile platform to sell your product. Like we need it. Like the reason the simple fact is like, this is where people buy books now and we've kind of let it happen because the market share um, plan that Amazon has enacted has worked like a charm. You know, they've done it and it's like, so they're never going to be able to, no publisher is going to give up that percentage of their sales, you know, especially not if not everyone is doing it. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) it would be one thing if, like all these houses kind of said, no, we're we're backing off as a you know as a group, and even you know even that would be really tricky. Like, and they've lost like you know when we first did that, um, you know when they've tried to um, kind of collaborate in that way on pricing, they've actually Amazon has actually won um, 
won legal proceedings against the publishers for collusion on things like that. You know what I mean? Like this is, it's hairy and there's not really a way to do it, but like you have to have, um, there has to be a way to extricate. So that's one reason they won't. So getting back, Eric, to, I mean, so if, so if publishing isn't going to take the loss, Right. right. Because of the shareholders, because they can't because of collusion. Right. Um, if this is not an option, then then what should we do? And I think it really goes back to your point about Amazon systematically causing the marketplace to devalue books. Yes. So one of the things that I was thinking about today um, that I've and that I realized I've always been really uncomfortable with, like given that we're a week out from Prime Day. Right. We're a week past it. And one of the things I've always been really uncomfortable with is don't buy books at Amazon because we want to support our local indie bookstores. Right. Like what that that I think is fundamentally flawed, although you absolutely should support your indie bookstores. So why Um, is it flawed? But I, I believe that it is fundamentally flawed because it is not feeding into or creating an argument that books are actually valuable. Yeah. It's just valuable valuing small businesses in opposition to Amazon. It's yeah. not actually valuing the product. Not about the book, yeah. And so kind of like and this yeah, is going to seem point. really trite perhaps, but I like fundamentally, I think the the long-term way that we can combat this is by a really good PR campaign. Like specifically <laughs> part and, of it, yeah. Yeah, so like specifically like we in publishing and people who talk about books and people who love books need to engage with these products as things that are worth our time and energy and money and we need to understand that and it needs to be visible. Yes. So like if you think about like fair trade or ethically sourced goods like that is a huge part of like what those goods are you're not just buying what it is you're buying the work that comes behind it and you're buying the story behind it and i feel like amazon has spent the last 10 15 20 years separating those things and hiding the story and you know so like we as 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 book people like a lot of you are writers or a lot of you are publishing professionals who are listening and a lot of your life is probably talking about like how much blood, sweat, and tears writers are putting into their book and mm-hmm. how late ought their, you know, their editors are working and like how magnificent those book sculptures are at BEA. <laughs> and I think fundamentally yeah. what we should be doing is making sure that the readers understand that. Like I was even just thinking about the difference between um, two different book trade shows, like Book Expo, which used to be Book Expo in America, BEA, and like a local, like a regional indie booksellers trade show. And in the former, there's a lot of like book bloggers and a lot of like public that go. And there are these publishers, these these like sweet underpaid publicity people Mm who spend hours building these elaborate like sculptures, literal sculptures of these advanced reader copies, these free copies that they're yeah. giving away. And when the doors open at 9 a.m., it's a literal stampede. Like yeah. there are people who are injured mm-hmm. in getting these free books. 
And you compare that to the people who are in the business, the booksellers, who are just like strolling around, like chit-chatting, yeah. like, you know, like with their little free tote bags. Right. And like what that fundamentally says to me is that like we understand like engaging with the reps and talking about the books and getting recommendations because we work in this business and we know that it's valuable. Right. Um, the people who are outside of this business <laughs> don't know. They've been told, you know, that it's that you got to get the something for on sale or and if you don't get it on sale, you, you can get it for free. If you can get it for free, absolutely get it for free. Wait for it to be three ninety nine on the Kindle. Exactly. Store or and it's like yeah. we got to stop selling books based on how much they cost or like how discounted they are. It, truly, we do, because I think that is like totally agree there. Because it's just, you know, I think your point about like, you know, comparing it to the way messaging campaigns have like popped up around like fair trade, other stuff. Yeah. You know, like, or like just like where other products and other industries have started to sort of put the labor front and center mm-hmm. in a way that publishing simply hasn't. And to me, like that's, you know, that there's one, one way to express that is the PR campaign you're talking about. And I think that's absolutely necessary. But to me, the PR campaign feels like the outward-facing part of an internal political reorientation. Yes. Around like actually how, paying people, how publishers like <laughs> view the people who work for them, how they view the products they're making, you know, how they view any of this stuff. And it's like the problem that we're stuck in. I mean, right now is that it's really hard to just switch to that because there are losses involved to doing that. But it's like. You're losing anyway. You know what I mean? Like this is a like I'll just say, um, you know, PRH. You know, they are only you know they're it's not P and RH anymore because they thought that being a little bit bigger might you know okay. help push back against. It's like, well, where are we? You know what I mean? Like I don't know that we're in any better of a place. Like it's um, this the trends are not. Amazon is not going to get smaller. Amazon is not going to go away. Amazon, at the moment of its choosing, is going to crush the book industry unless the book industry decides on a large scale that it would like to be something other than this, truthfully. And, like, it has to make that decision, and it has to make that decision on a substantive level in a way that says, you know what, we're going to start doing these things that make sure um, the product itself is valued, the mm-hmm. people who work on it are valued, and because right now what's happening is all those things are progressively getting less valued because the publishers are forced into this position where they have to chase whatever scraps they smaller can get. Smaller and with smaller that. margins. And so there's no way without – like there's no, biz, there's no business case under the current framework to do any of the things we're describing. You ha- What you have to do is like fundamentally reimagine who and what you are. Yeah. And I think that that is – it has to happen because um, – it's just not like if you care at all about like the state of how books get made, you got to look at this stuff and just be horrified. You know, I mean, it's we have to get back to a place where all the things that you like about books, right? Like the the care in them, you know, the you know, the, the artistry, the artistry, the way, it, you know, like a writer slaving away at something that they will never, ever, ever see fair. Like how many hours go into writing a book and what do you get paid for? I mean, it's never it's not a. It's like a completely ludicrous cost-benefit analysis <laughs> writing a book. It is. And like all this and kind yet. of stuff. And yet people do it because they give a shit. You know what I mean? And the industry needs to actually 
exist in a way that acknowledges that that's who's producing the work. And instead, what has happened is publishing has decided to like, like that's the one place it'll cut corners. Like, oh, everyone who works in this business cares a lot. I bet that means we can like cut some corners on what they get, you know, and it's just terrible. We talk a lot in this podcast about how publishing has a lot of publishing specific problems because it is at that intersection of like business yeah. and art. Yeah. And a lot of the time if the art is too considered then the business is dumb and you know if the if the business is working really well then the you know then the art isn't there. But like truly though I I believe that the really beautiful thing about books and about publishing is that those two things are combined. And I feel like that's what Amazon has done is it's stripped the art out of the 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 publishing business and all of those considerations. And so to me, the way that publishers can fight back is by focusing on the art. You know what I well, mean? Because the business like, part isn't working, folks. Because the Let. business part isn't working. <laughs> and so if you can convince people that these aren't just, you know, like how many books can I read and like mark off on Goodreads yeah. and, you know, like yeah. in my one month subscription or yeah. whatever, like let me let me get the longest audiobook I can with my one audible credit this month. Like truly, I believe that the the art, if we like sit in that and like honor it and and this is this is again like sounding a lot of a lot of like the economics people are probably like, Laura doesn't know what she's talking about. But like I don't know how to convince readers to care about the value that goes into creating books, which are art, not just, you know, square pieces of a bunch of paper bound together yeah. that can ship really easily, which is literally why Amazon started selling books is because yes. they didn't expire and they were they fit conveniently in a box. Yeah, Jeff Bezos is making like Elysium in 2030 because he thought that pa- shipping paper in a box was really easy. So yeah. great job by us. Yeah. So like if we if we push back on that and we instead say we're selling these things because we think that they're beautiful and we think that they're important to the human condition and we think that they change like what the world thinks and feels <laughs> and how they connect with people. Yeah. Not just like, hey, we can ship these things. Well, you know what I think it also goes, you know, we're talking about respecting the work. We're talking about respecting the authors and the, all the work that goes into it and all that kind of stuff. But well, there's one other element to it that is like a piece of conventional publishing wisdom that I think could also be done away with. And that relates to readers. Like, um, you know, all the things you just described you know, with regard to how consumers now, you know, try to find the cheapest thing possible and they're trying to just, Mm -hmm. like, consumers, book readers right now do not treat books very respectfully in the way they consume them. Now, that's going to have people's hackles up. So so what I want to say, though, about that is that, like, that's because of what publishers think of readers. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's, like, this trend or this piece of, you know, thought that's just, you see it every now and then pop up. It's like, oh, well, people are reading less books. You know, it's just, you know, the American public doesn't like to read, you know, or... And that makes us bad. It doesn't, you know, people don't want to pay this much for a book anymore. They don't want to um, value and sit, you know, and have that kind of stuff. And I actually think that that might just be a lot of bullshit. (laughs) No, truthfully, like, I, I think that, you know, a big reason that Amazon has been so successful is they have convinced readers to think that way. Mm. I th- you know, they said, hey, you, books are something you should pay very few dollars for and breeze through immediately and kind of not really, 
you know, it should be something you that isn't valued. Like that's a learned behavior. Like I actually think, and you see this. This is a whole separate conversation. But like when you see that conversation, that thing come from editors. Like when you pitch something and they reject it, and they say, "Well, I don't know how we would break this out." Part of the reason I really, really hate that argument as a reason for rejecting a book is that it gives readers no credit whatsoever. Yeah. It says that oh, people only want you know some very very straightforward thing that matches perfectly with their in, their pre-stated interests that we can readily identify. And so apart from it being kind of lazy publishing, it's also just like it's sort of a transparent point that they think they're selling to idiots and they're not. You know, I think that the I think that there are people and I think that the reading public is actually much more willing to be engaged on the level that we're talking about than um, like, I don't think everybody naturally behaves in the way Amazon has now made people want to behave. Like, I think that that would shift quickly if provided an alternate model. You know, mm-hmm. if someone came up, to use your analogy earlier, if someone came up with the alternate streaming service, you know, the all, the other way to get books. You if know, we I, spent $600 million <laughs> and pulled the office off of Netflix yeah. and put it on something else, yeah, like... That is a good start. Although I think that like all of the streaming, all of the different streaming services, right? Like I, t- to be clear, to go on the record, it's bullshit. But like having more than one is a good thing. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it is that diversification is a really, really, really good thing. And it yeah. gives people options. It gives consumers options. It gives publishers like, you know, not necessarily upper hand, but you know, it gives them. It gives them more than, you know, just needing to do whatever Amazon says. Well, we've got so one thing that we do have coming up um, that I'm excited about. We're going to have a conversation with someone in coming weeks. We've still got to we have the commit from the guest. We do not have the date yet. But um, one of the things we're going to kind of talk about is what does an alternative, you Mm -hmm. know, selling vehicle for books look like? You know, and you could sort of see structures where like indies decide that. You know, they're going to share resources a little bit more. You know, they're going to kind of try to come in on, you know, certain projects and kind of generate, enthuse- you know, rather so that rather than like thinking about indie bookstores purely just in terms of, well, here's the one little store in my city versus Amazon. It's here's this whole network of stores that have kind of collaborated time and labor and, you know, actual care into doing this thing that might be worth checking out instead yeah. of the very easy interface. You know, like, but the point is like these alternate structures the selling stuff too could very much come to reflect the sort of just basic respect for what a book is mm-hmm. again not just and, pieces of paper where you can yeah. turn the pages at your own leisure yeah. yeah yeah so anyway um we ended up being a little bit less calm than you promised at the beginning <laughs> of this episode eric i think that we probably shouldn't promise our listeners need, that yeah i'm sorry for promising that i would be calm I'll never be calm again, and I'll never <laughs> promise to be calm again. I will stay mad. I will stay logged on. I'll never log off. Um, Excellent. Well, thank you all so much for joining us um, on this, another episode of the crazy shit that Amazon does to book publishing, <laughs> or as you could also call it, print run. Yes. Um, remember to log in to our patreon we've got a lot of really really good stuff and you know also given that a bunch of people are trying to take every writer's rights log in and hear about um what specific clauses you should be looking for and what indeed is industry standard when it comes to 
publisher agreements. Um, So check that out and we will see you for a regular episode next week. Bye.